What is going on, friends? Thank you for joining us for the New Vision Podcast. We here at New Vision believe that the gospel transforms lives. So we're going to take an opportunity to open up God's word and see what he has to say so that we can take the best next step to become more like Jesus. Hi, guys. This is Angelisa Chandler. I'm a biblical counselor with the New Vision Care Ministry, and I'm excited to be on the podcast today. Um, We've been working through the book of Mark, and just in these first two chapters, we have already learned so much about Jesus's ministry, and I'm super excited to um, continue that story in Mark chapter 3. Um, we have a lot to, to go over today because there's so much impacted in these verses, and I'm super excited to go through those with you. So let's dig in. What we'll do is we will read the verses through the entire section, Mark chapter 3, 13 through 35 in the New International Version, and then I will go ahead and kind of give you some um, just intake and views of what these verses mean to us and how we can take that away for the rest of our day today. Well, let's go ahead and dig in. Mark chapter 3, starting in verse 13. Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed twelve, designated them apostles, and that they may be with him, that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. These are the twelve he appointed. Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, to them he gave the name Bonerers, which means sons of thunder, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Then Jesus entered a house, and again a crowd gathered, so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said, He's out of his mind. And the teachers of the law who came down from Jerusalem said, He is possessed by Beelzebub, by the prince of demons. He is driving out demons. So Jesus called to them and spoke to them in parables. How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand. His end has come. In fact, no one can enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man. Then he can rob his house. I tell you the truth. All the sins and blasphemes of men will be forgiven them. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. He is guilty of an eternal sin. He said this because they were saying he had an evil spirit. Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived standing outside, and they sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they told him, Your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and my brothers? he asked. Then he looked at those seated in the circle around him and said, Here are my mother and brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. All right, so we just finished off chapter three, and there is so, so much in these verses. Um, The first part, um, starting in verse 12 in my Bible, there's a heading, the appointing of the 12 apostles. This right here, guys, is one of the most important parts of Jesus's ministry. I know it looks like just a small section of this book of Mark, but man, these are the men who are going to carry out what Jesus started. This is such an important part. So when we read this, he does um, kind of quickly go through how he called these men. But remember, at this point, 
Jesus has already done a lot. We just said that going through Mark chapter 1, chapter 2, we know that um, he already was baptized. He has already drove out some evil spirits, healed a lot of people. Um, He healed people from all kinds of diseases like leprosy, even the paralytic man. And so many people have been witnesses to this. Now, a lot of people have been following him, but many, many, many have already been critical and already opposing Jesus's ministry. I mean, you think about it, he already kind of offended the religious leaders by, um, you know, offending their traditions of the Sabbath. And a lot of people did follow him, but not for spiritual reasons. So they were quickly to judge Jesus and actually turn against him. So what did he do? So in response to all of that, he chose to pick 12 men who can come beside him and go with him in this journey. And that's super powerful. But when we look at these men, we look at these men and he calls them apostles. um, And then actually later on in the verse, he calls them disciples. And what does that mean? So we look right there at the very beginning of chapter three, starting in verse um, 14. And he said that they will be with him. He called them so they will be with him. So the first job that these apostles had was to just be with Jesus, to learn to follow him, to know him. Because of the fact, as you read on, he was going to call them to preach and to go out and to serve others. But really, we cannot do those things without knowing Jesus ourselves. And we can't teach someone else or show someone else about Jesus unless we know him. So that was their very, very first job um, was to do that. And that's one of the most important jobs. But then you see, um, as he continues on, that when Jesus did send them out, he did not send them out on their own. It says that he gave them the power to do so. So we don't have to be afraid of these callings. We don't have to be afraid when Jesus calls us to do things and he wants us to serve. Sometimes we read in in the Bible about how he wants us to go and make disciples and that really scares us, but we don't have to be worried or afraid because Jesus will send his power to go with us. And that's a cool thing. And as we look at this, and he goes through the names of these awesome men that he called, and it's kind of neat just to see how he gives them nicknames, which I did botch some of those names, by the way. Sorry about that. But um, I do that too, and it's so funny. Um, My family makes fun of me of doing that. But you can tell when someone's close to you when they have a nickname, right? So, So these men were close to Jesus. He called them by their nicknames, and he definitely loved them well. And so interesting enough, at the very end of that, a lot of people question the last apostle he chose. It says, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. A lot of people want to know, well, why would he call Judas if he knew he was just going to betray him? Now, Jesus didn't know that was going to happen, but here is the bigger question. I may not know exactly why he did it that way, but there's a bigger question here, and is it why did he choose me? And isn't that true for each of us? God has a plan And Jesus knew how he wanted to use each one of these individuals. And God wants to use you. And he chooses you. So that's a really cool um, thing just to to understand. But then as we read on, the next section of my Bible talks about Jesus and Beelzebub. This is kind of an interesting part. So basically we know that this is Jesus' response to the accusations that have been given to him by all of these religious leaders, by many people who followed him, and even people who loved him. 
So as we see in the very beginning, um, it starts out with just this accusation from his own family. They kind of think he's out of his mind. Um, and you kind of think about it. I mean, they've been watching his ministry and he left a family business to be a preacher. He has been under attack from religious leaders who have been plotting his murder and he still won't back down. They almost thought, you know, maybe this fame is getting to his head. He picked these disciples or apostle, apostles that weren't really likely um, men that they would really want Jesus to hang around. I mean, they were fishermen. They were tax collectors. They weren't really people that he, they thought were the best um, friends or followers. And also, I think what the icing of the cake was for his family this time is they felt that Jesus was letting his ministry get to him so much that he was even missing meals. And so they thought, we need to do something about this. We need to have an intervention. This is not right. Something's wrong with Jesus. But then you see, so he skips down to how the religious leaders are also attacking him. He's feeling attacked from all sides, right? So then the religious leaders are attacking him and they're even, they're even calling him Belzebub. So they're actually saying that he is actually being led by Satan um, and that all the things he's doing is not from the Spirit of God, but from Satan. So Jesus immediately addresses those religious leaders because if you think about it, it's kind of easier to address those who accuse us who aren't close to us. So those are the ones he addresses first and he explains to them that they're not even knowing what they're talking about, right? Like how can Satan cast out Satan? That doesn't even make sense. That would just be a civil war within Satan, that he would just be against himself. Not only that, he points out the fact that no one can take a, take a strong man in his house unless he ties him down, meaning Jesus is much stronger than Satan. So there's no way that he could possibly be doing anything under Satan because Jesus is so much more powerful than Satan. Then he goes on and talks about how those who blaspheme against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. This is a difficult passage because we often think, well, what does that mean? What does that mean by we cannot be forgiven? Does that mean that there is a sin that's too big for Jesus to forgive? Well, that answer is no, obviously. But the problem with blaspheming the Holy Spirit is it has nothing to do with the sin itself. It has everything to do with how the heart is against the Lord. And when our heart cares nothing for God and his forgiveness, then there's no way for us to be able to follow and accept the true gift of salvation. So Jesus knows this and he points this out to these religious leaders because they were basically blaspheming the Holy Spirit and what the Spirit was doing through Jesus and through these disciples. But then lastly, at the very end um, of this passage, he comes back to his family. So his families are there to do this intervention. And we sometimes think, well, his family probably had an advantage, right? Like we should put our family first. We should, you know, make sure that, you know, we're, we're, we're making a specialization for our family. But Jesus points out that that's not the case, that actually his ministry is more important than that. Matter of fact, he tells us who our family is. Our family is not just people with our last name or who has been grown up around us or we were raised with them. That definitely is the family that God placed us in first. But who is our family? Our family are those brothers and sisters in Christ that we are together as the family of God, that we have inherited his last name and that we go with Jesus and Jesus goes with us. 
So guys, I just want to take let you take away a few things. I know this is a lot that we went through, but here are some takeaways for us today. Number one is that <clears throat> when Jesus calls us, he calls his disciples, and that is one of the most important things he does is he calls each and every one of us because we are the ones that are going to go out and serve and do the will of the Father. So definitely um, we need to remember how important our calling is. And it's not our fame, but Jesus' fame. These disciples aren't super famous, right? Like we we don't really know a lot about all of them. We know some. We know some about like Peter, James, John, and Judas. But we don't know much about the other disciples because their fame is in heaven. Their fame is not here on earth. And so when we're called, it's not really about our fame. It's about Jesus' fame. And then lastly, remember that it's easy for us to be critical. It's easy for us to be critical, especially to those around us, especially to our own family, to our church members, to the people that we are serving and living life with um, next to each other in the body of Christ. We're, we're really easy to get into arguments and disagreements with each other. But Jesus remind us that that's not what we should be doing, that instead we should be fueling each other and encouraging each other through this walk of ministry because we can do this work together. Guys, I just pray that as you continue on today in your journey of just your calling of being a disciple and sharing Jesus with others, that you will do this in the name of Jesus. Love you guys, and I pray um, that you guys have a great day and continue on your journey in the book of Mark. Bye. Thank you for joining us today for the New Vision Podcast. We hope that you have heard a word from the Lord and that you can better walk today in light of God's word. To find out more information about New Vision, we would love for you to follow us on Instagram at New Vision Life or look us up online at newvisionlife.com. And as always, we look forward to seeing you tomorrow.